Hi, and welcome to Lighted Paths Radio. I'm your host, Claire Papan. It's my hope that the information and interviews shared here continue to reach higher ground for us all and offer inspiration that speaks to the heart and potential of today's evolving humanity and world. I'd like to invite you to follow the show if you're interested in receiving notices about future guests here on Lighted Paths Radio. Just click follow on this page to sign up. My guest is Katherine Lanigan. She's a New York Times best-selling author of over 40 published titles in both fiction and nonfiction, including the novelizations of Romancing the Stone and The Jewel of the Nile. Catherine's novels have been translated into 28 languages, and her titles have sold over 15 million copies worldwide, including Divine Nudges, Angel Watch, and Angel Tales, which we will be discussing today. Each of these books offers inspirational true stories of miracles, near-death experiences, and angelic intervention in human life. She's here today to share important messages on these topics that come from her own experiences, as well as from hundreds of reports that she's received from ordinary people who have had angelic visits and the like. So welcome, Catherine, to Lighted Paths Radio. So glad you could join us today. Thank you, Claire. I am just thrilled and honored to be here, truly. This is just a lovely a lovely way to spend the afternoon with you. <laughs> Thank you, and so many people who are tuning in. And, yes. you know, just before the time for us to uh, go live on the air, we were talking about how this is such an important time to hear this type of information again, these topics, discuss them, share the stories. It's as if there's another wave of this level of work that has, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've we've all heard stories of angels. Some of us may not. We've heard different experiences that people have had with near-death experiences and all of the different types of miraculous stories that that Mm -hmm. people have shared, but right now there seems to be a very important reason for another wave of this type of information to get out there. I agree. I agree. I was, I, as I was saying, is I, I was talking with a friend of mine from Houston this morning, and I was telling him, you know, about me being on the show, and he said, you know, it's so interesting because, and he said, and, I, and he said, I think this is a really good time to be talking about angels and miracles. He said, everyone seems to be so depressed, and he's in the medical field, and he said, it's like I can't go anywhere and not have friends, people at the gym, my clients, my patients, you know, talking about that they're just very depressed. Now, I don't know if that's because there are so many baby boomers right now. You know, this is the largest generation of uh, of that age group that's ever been before. If that's part of it, you know, there's so many issues and concerns um, just health-wise once you start hitting 65 to 70, you know, that that's always an issue, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but and I also don't know, I've got uh, people that I work with as well, that <clears throat> there are so many moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas as well, that have sons going overseas. And they're not just going overseas to, you know, hang out in Germany at a nice base and go to dinner. They are going to war. 
You know, mm-hmm. this we have uh, there is a lot of fighting going on in the world, and everything is it's just it is a very tempestuous, tumultuous, frightening time when you mm-hmm. look at the threats that are being made against us. Um, we live in a cocoon of anxiety that didn't exist before 9/11. You know, on Saturday, I'm getting ready to get on an airplane, and the first thing I think of is, let's see, that can't go through security, that can't go through security, I better not take that, I'll put that in the other bag. Just my thinking of packing a suitcase is different than it was 25 years ago. And it's not me, it's for everybody. We are all looking for some place where we feel safe and secure, and and the other thing I was talking about when we were talking about people that were depressed, I said, you know, the thing that cures depression, you know what the one thing that cures depression is hope. Mm. Yes. Whether it's a hope for a new job, a hope for a new life, a new place to live, a new person to live with, um, a hope that there is an end to an illness. You know, when I was a kid, everybody had chicken pox. Well, now everybody's got cancer. Like, oh, you have cancer too? So do I. It's unbelievable. Well, there are a lot of things going on in the world that have brought a new level of challenges. And many people, like you were saying, you know, there are different circumstances that have risen in intensity for us that um, Mm -hmm. it brings us to a place where we really have to go to our deepest, the deepest part of who we are and Mm -hmm. pull out those places within ourselves that connect us in the strongest ways to our divine source, to right. our uh, higher consciousness, and bring mm-hmm. all that together so that we live life in a new way and that our daily lives can become hopeful. Our daily lives can also express the fruits of that hope where we are right. living what has come from that and we we have the um the miracles that we notice in our lives and give gratitude for that so that we can enjoy life and thrive more amongst one another and mm-hmm. one thing that i know about your books um when you you have these amazing collections of inspirational true stories of divine intervention involving angels and miracles, as well as stories of near-death experiences and many of mm-hmm. much of the wisdom that has come from that in your books. And with each story, readers are left with hopeful and reassuring reminders to open their eyes, open the eyes of their hearts, and look mm-hmm. for angels who walk among us and look for the good in life that is already present. That's right. When you change, I think, you know, talking about depression, when you change that, it's just a little click over to move from a choice that you're going to make. Am I going to be, uh, you know, anger? They say that at the bottom of all depression is anger, at least to all the shrinks I've talked to. I apologize to all the psychologists and psychiatrists, but I still call them, you know. I've been to many of them and consulted with a lot of them. But um, that perspective of moving from my choice today is I'm going to not be happy with anybody or anything because no matter what it, what is going on, I've just decided that life isn't good enough. 
that's really what you're deciding when you're when you're choosing to be depressed. Now I know that there are many people that you know it's clinical depression and they're and and they have to be medicated. And there are I, I did a book one time on um, schizophrenia, which was incredibly horrible. And there's to this day there's still no cure. You know it is something that is without hope. There is manageable, but mm-hmm. it's not curable. And that's the difference. But there are also many people where um, their depression is could be helped by changing that perspective. When something happens to you, to tr- to try to look for what that good is. Or, you know, my husband is always saying, "Why did that happen to me today?" And I said, "Well, now let's, you know, let's. You want to analyze it because we can analyze it, and I will find something that's good that happened." That plane that didn't take off, how do you know that you didn't avoid a car accident once you landed on, the, you know, it, earlier or at that time? Or I'm not saying that the plane's going to crash because that doesn't really happen all that often. But there are other things that can happen as a result of you being in the wrong place at the wrong time that perhaps your angels, I call them angels, or your divine spirits and guide, guides stopped you from going there at that moment so that you would, you know, it's frustrating to you because you're not looking for the deeper cause behind all of those little frustrations. We get so frustrated because we think we're in control. That's where our frustration comes from. We think we're humans. We have brains. We're supposed to control everything. The thing is we don't control anything. The divine in the universe controls everything. And if you think that's not true, you'll ha- you will truly be, surprised with all of the things that will happen to you until you finally get that through your head. (laughs) (laughs) My sister used to say is, you know, life is like a bus. We all get to ride the bus and, but we don't get to drive the bus. We don't even get to know where the bus is going. The only thing that you can do is choose the outfit that you're going to wear on the bus that day. And I love that analogy because Mm. it's really true. It's really true. You also have talked about how, skeptics may dismiss Mm -hmm. some of these stories and some of the things you were just talking about a moment ago as if they're just coincidences or just our imagination. And you believe these incidents are really deeds of angels, deeds of of, um, divine intervention and evidence Mm -hmm. of the divine in our lives, just, just like what you were just talking about. Right. I do. I do. I, I believe that there is incredible order in this universe. I mean, we were watching a, program the other night and it was all you know galaxies and the the billions and billions of planets and there have to be all kinds of civilizations out there but all of it exists in this incredibly beautiful non-chaotic universe Mm -hmm. there are things that look like they can be chaotic where you know when you see an earthquake or you you know but they each have a cause. It's all got a cause. It's all got effect. There are certain laws of of this universe that we live in. The law of attraction is one. The law of repelling is another. Magnetism, you know, just it, there, the whole thing behind the book The Secret was all about the law of attraction. If you think it, you can make it happen. I remember reading, and you and I discussed this, but I remember reading 20 years ago, that scientists had determined at that time that 
when you think a thought and or a mantra, let's use it in that context because it's not just a random single thought, but one that you concentrate on. Let's say, you know, I will be uh, president one day. No, I'll be governor of my state in 10 years. That's your thought that you're going to, your mantra that you're going to do, okay? That, those thought waves, they have been able to measure the energy that that thought takes, and it will go out there and exist even if it's one time, one time, it will exist for two years. So that thought that you have will affect and effect your life for two years. Hmm. That's how much energy that thought has. Our, our thoughts are incredibly important. You know, even in the Bible it says if you, you know, sinned in your heart, you, or, your, you know, it means your mind. If you sin in your mind, it's the same as a sin. That's, there is an actual physics law that corresponds to that is our thoughts are things our thoughts are make things happen we we can motivate action to take place by the thoughts that we think so when you are thinking angry and depressed or hopeless that which is what i really call depression is a hopelessness hopeless thoughts, those thoughts are going to stick with you, not just for today, but for two years. Even when you're forcing it, forcing yourself to think happy thoughts or to think positive thoughts or or do positive things, that will affect you for two years out into your own future. You will be creating your own future. So there is... that doesn't come along as randomly and as chaotic as you think it's going to. You made that happen. It just happened two years ago when you thought about it. So what's really interesting about this, too, is that there is grace. And for those of us who may want to turn our thoughts around and Mm -hmm. not have to live out the effects of a thought that we really did not want to um, manifest in some sort of way, Mm-hmm. We can use grace and a powerful force of love in our lives to help right. shift that and turn that around. I remember in a, a meditation I, I did one time, I was asking about this in my meditation. I, I said, you know, mm-hmm. for thoughts that go out that, you know, before we even realize we've just put a thought out there of something we really don't want to put out there, mm-hmm. what would be a way to heal that, shift it, turn it around. And mm-hmm. the answer that I got was, sew three pearls for every stone. Right. And so, yes, and so we step up onto that. We step up onto a higher level of our own creation of, of a, a higher frequency, a higher vibration, a higher way. Mm-hmm. And some of the ways that we do that to get us there is through grace. And I know that of the reports you've received from those mm-hmm. who've shared about their angelic experiences, it's almost like that. You know, that's the grace that came for them. What the most, what would you say is the most common thread that you discovered between uh, many of the stories that you have heard of angelic stories and miracle stories and the like? Oh, that's a good question. I think the um, the 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 most common thread in my stories was. Um, probably shock and awe from those who <clears throat> did not believe in anything. Those are my most interesting stories. They had no background or they 
or even were atheists, had no spiritual um, essence about their their daily life. They didn't do anything, you know, like I did. They didn't meditate. They didn't believe in anything, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in anything. And then, boom, here shows up um, an angel or um, many times for a person like that, it's a dead relative um, who has come at a time of need. Now, one of the things that I've noticed was that the times of need, which is interesting of everything that we're talking today, those stories of where somebody was saved from falling off of a cliff, that kind of thing, I heard those stories 25, 30 years ago. The stories that I'm hearing in the last 10 to 15 years have been, I was on the verge of suicide, I had lost everything, I didn't know where to turn, I didn't know how to pray, and without even asking, a miracle occurred for me. Mm. Wow. A a stranger, um, and when I say an angel, not not always is it an angel, although I've seen an angel with the wings and the whole deal, but um, not always does the angel show up like that. It shows up as um, uh, um, many times I have heard of, a, of being a pastor or a priest or um, just, a, you know, a nicely dressed man or a nicely dressed woman just literally showing up at a moment with either words of encouragement, a suggestion to change their career path, literally to tell a person, um, I've had women have had um, someone show up and tell them to divorce their husband or leave their husband uh, and not take his cruelty anymore, you know, abused wives, that kind of thing, or to Mm -hmm. save the children, to get the children out of an abusive relationship where the father was beating the children, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then for them to watch that person, they thought it was a person. It's flesh and blood. I mean, there's nothing ethereal or anything. They just think it's a stranger they just met. And then when they turn around or they just, or literally watch that person, the angel vanish in front of their eyes. That's the most, that's when I know it's a real, that's a state of grace. That mm-hmm. moment of grace to have this action take place in this person's life to create a major shift, a major change, so that they can save themselves either from from harm or evil that's being done to them or, or you know, tell them, no, you don't want to kill yourself because we've got other plans for you, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yes, right. And I know that you you did mention earlier that, you know, you've also had some stories of, and I recall you telling a story of a man who he was in a truck with his dog. He was getting ready to uh, make a turn, but he ended up about to go off a cliff. He went off a cliff. Yes, please share that story and what what Well, happened. I've got two of them. It's a cliff one, but the man and the dog was um and I I believe it was in California and he was driving his truck and the uh, it was a windy road and bad weather, fog or rain or something like that, as I remember. And um the car went off a cliff and as the car was going over the cliff, he sa- he said a prayer and said I don't care if you kill, you know, if I die, but please save my dog. Just please, God, take care of my dog. Mm-hmm. And 
He and the dog were thrown out of the car, and the car, of course, went sailing down to the bottom of the ravine and blew up or, you know, went into flames or whatever it was. And he turned around, and here clinging to this tree stump or whatever was sticking out of the, was his dog. Not a scratch on him. He crawled up to the mountain, up the mountain to get, and got the dog and carried the dog, and they went on home. I love that, that is story. An amazing story. Yes. Oh yeah. There, uh, the truck drivers have the best stories. I mean, whenever I'm on a show like this, you know, they'll send me um, emails with their stories. One of them was this guy was um, he had fallen asleep at the wheel, and he was about to hit a, a concrete embankment, you know, like a concrete wall or something embankment or whatever, and he had fallen asleep, and a disembodied hand and forearm grabbed the steering wheel and pulled the steering wheel over to the right where he was then he and the truck then went over into the shoulder and he was saved. Mm. Yes. Love that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so now, important. Now that's for a state people. of grace, you know? Yes it is. Yes it is. And it's so important for people to share these stories because it impacts other people's lives it when does. they hear it's, them. It and it reminds others. them of their own experiences that may, they may have forgotten and tucked away years and years ago. But right. pulling that back out and bringing it back in front of us helps mm-hmm. us to, even if we're in a dark place in our life, it helps lift, lift us out of that. It does. Right. Into a, a greater sense of self, a greater connection. That's right. And the other thing is is that once you are lifted up and you are raised up, then you can turn around and you can pay it forward. You can help somebody else. You know, there's mm-hmm. I know their books are Pay It Forward and Random Acts of Kindness and they've even done tests where literally you just if you just watch someone be kind to another person as in uh, an uplifting movie or a, a commercial, you know, those, I love those Hallmark commercials where the, you know, I have all the little puppy dogs running around that stuff. You just, even the effect that it has on you, your blood pressure, it drops and is normalized. Anxiety is lessened. Stress, stressors in your own body settle down. Just watching it, not even doing the act of kindness yourself, which they say, um, also, you know, gives you good physical mm-hmm. health. Now, I find that fascinating because, you know, I've always believed it's mind, body, and soul is all one unit. What I do to my body affects my mind, and what my mind does affects my body. You know, stress causes cancer and heart attacks and all this kind of stuff. And what happens with my soul affects my mind, which then in turn affects my body. So it's all one thing. And to deny the soul and the divinity is like cutting a third of yourself off. Why would you do that? That's like chopping off your legs. Oh, let me go to the store. I'll just walk there in a minute. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) 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 Uh, Catherine, I know that you have spoken of your father many times in your books. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. he had a near-death experience that really impacted your life, turned things into a a completely new direction for you. And I recall the message that he shared with you Mm -hmm. for the reason that we're here. And I'm going to let you tell that story. I I really want everyone to hear this. 
Yeah, because it is it is really very interesting. Both my parents, my sister had called me. <clears throat> I was living in Houston, and she was living here in Indiana, which is near Chicago, so everybody knows we're close to airports. Um, my sister called and said, both mom and dad had heart attacks at the Grand Canyon. And, you know, and they're in ICU in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I thought, you know, that's not, you know, I, it's just your, it's always your worst nightmare as a kid is to have both your parents die at the same time. So Nancy and I, she flew, we both flew to Arizona to Phoenix and then we met in Phoenix and then we got a puddle jumper that would take us from uh, Scott, uh, from Phoenix up to uh, Flagstaff. Well, anyway, what happened was is my mom didn't actually have a heart attack. She had a, um, what do you call it, the high alti- the altitude sickness thing where she passed out. Looking at the mm-hmm. Grand Canyon, she just drops, you know. And so my dad then called, they got an ambulance, and my dad followed to the hospital. And then as they were wheeling her into the ICU or to the emergency room or whatever it was, he he got to the doors of the operating room and dropped dead, and he was dead for 20 minutes. They broke all of his ribs. They broke his sternum. They broke his collarbone, banging on him. They had the paddles. The paddles broke more bones. I mean, they could not revive this guy for anything. Well, anyway, obviously they finally did because he wound up living about five more years after that, four years. Anyway, by the time we got there, Nancy and I got there, it was well after midnight, and every, the doctors and everybody knew that we were flying in, so it was okay for us to come in and, you know, see him in the hospital. And when I got there, he was awake. Mother was uh, in the room. She had a, one of those chairs where you can recline and everything. And he said, oh, Kath, I am so glad that you're here. I have to tell, I have to tell you what happened to me on the other side. And I said, what do you mean the other side? And he said, you know, the other side of this world. And now we were, you know, I was born and raised Catholic all my life. Went to Catholic school. I went to a Catholic nunnery for college. I mean, I was Catholic. Catholics don't call heaven anything other than heaven. Protestants call heaven paradise, but we call it heaven. That's what we call it. And in our house, it had never been called After death, everybody's going to heaven. That's what the deal was. So for my father, this devout Catholic, to say, I went to the other side, was not computing with me at all. And I was like, okay, you know, who are you and what did you do with my father? (laughs) That's what I was thinking at the time. So anyway, I said, what do you mean the other side? And he said, the the other side of our existence. That's, That's where we go when we die. We go to the other side. That's what they call it. And I said, well, I thought they called it heaven. And he goes, well, no, they don't. I went, okay, fine. Now, my father was an attorney, and he was a brilliant, brilliant man. So this wasn't, you know, he didn't have any kind of, like, mental issues. He wasn't a drug addict or anything. So he had a very, very sharp brain. And um, he said, now, while I was over there, you know, and he's talking like it's a travel log. I thought it was hilarious in one aspect. And then the other aspect, I was like, oh, my God. And he said, well, this being of light talked to me when I got there. And I said, you mean an angel? He goes, no, not an angel. Angels are the other guys. I didn't see any of those, like, really to talk to him. But I saw some. And I went, okay. And he said, a being of light is different from an angel. And I went, okay, fine. So he said, the being of light told him that he he was sent back to give me a message. 
And the message was that I was, he said, you're going to write a book. And I said, well, since I've already written about nine or 10, that's not news. And he said, oh no, this is all your writing. Your writing has to change. This is going to be different. You are going to start writing books about angels and about this kind of experience that I just had. You're going to write about heaven and the other side, and you're going to, and you're going to, uh, talk to other people because other people don't want to talk about it. They keep it very close to themselves. They think it didn't happen to them. He's, he said, but it really did happen to them. And then you're going to chronicle them. You're not going to embellish. You're not going to change. You're going to write it down just as they say that it happened. And those are the books that when you die, you will be measured by those books that you write. Now, I'm, I'm standing there thinking, okay, this is, first of all, this is crazy talk. Second of all, this is a very tall order. And why would, I'm going, well, did you talk to Jesus? And he said, no, he wasn't there. He was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. He's on the phone, you know. <laughs> He's, and I just, and I thought, I'm going to be judged on this. And he said, oh, yeah, you're judged on all kinds of stuff when you get over there. And then he was told that he was sent back to the earth to learn the lesson of love because human beings are only sent to earth to learn the lesson of love. That's the only reason that you're here. Big message. It's a very big message. The only reason you're here, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, artists are going, no, I came here to paint. No, you didn't. You came here to paint as a side order, but it's how you treat the rest of the people in your family or your friends. I mean, even people that don't have family, they still have co-workers and people that they communicate with. And, you know, very few people are true hermits, you know, living under a rock. We all inter intermingle with each other and we all need each other. That's what we are here. He, he was also told that all, all, all living things, whether it's an animal, an insect, a, a piece of vegeta- you know, vegetation, b- birds, flowers, human beings, everything, are all one soul. All is one. We hear that a lot. And, yeah, we uh, hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. But, you know, and this we'll... guy was dead and came back and said, that's what they told me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, you know, I believe you. Now, he died a couple more times after that. And um but nothing was as profound as this particular time. Each time it was a, just a validation of what he, you know, this particular time. Um he was told that when you are dying, you are considered to be between the worlds. It's mm-hmm. like this little yes. L- empty lag space or something where you are between the worlds. You're not consciously in this world and you're not consciously in the other world. And Because um, once you're there, you know you're there. You know, right. You're all consciousness. And yeah. then uh, Dr. Johnny Lerma, who you have written about also, mm-hmm. talks mm-hmm. about this. He he uh, was a doctor in, in uh, hospice in Houston. Hospice, right. And uh, I'll let you tell that story. I've got a couple of them from him because his are, you know, hospice people see a lot of things and and um, are witness to 
all of us, we're, as we're passing through and living between the worlds in, in those days and months or however long it is, of dying. And we call it dying, and everybody's, oh, God, dying. Well, you're going to do it, so you might as well be prepared. I think that's why I am writing these books. It's my, my goal is so that people are not afraid you know, if you know more, if if you have knowledge and you know about what's going to happen, it's just like we go on the internet now before you have a surgery, and you you know everything the doctor you you feel like you know everything the doctor knows before he performs the surgery because you looked it up on WebMD, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I think all of these books and these stories are coming out so that you've got a good idea of what dying is all about. It is a transition to the next life that you're going to have, literally another life. And you're not going to just, you know, walk around and smell flowers all day long. You're going to have jobs to do, and you're going to have, you're going to mingle with the same people that you mingled with here on Earth. And um, but what one of Johnny's stories that's very, very interesting was uh, he called it the Golden Boy. Is that the one you want to talk about? That is one of them. Yes. Yeah, the Golden Boy was very interesting. I think he had leukemia. I know he was about um, eight, nine years old. And he was dying, and he would constantly talk to Jesus and and other folks that gave him information about what life was all about. Now, one of the most interesting things that I thought that the Golden Boy said was that he had purposefully come to earth in order to suffer this disease that he had, To and then he... I don't, you know, in the Catholic Church you say offer it, but he agreed to give his suffering to help other people so that they did not have to suffer in their life. Now, this little eight-year-old boy who was not a Catholic and did, had not learned that kind of theory in mm-hmm. um, his schooling comes up with this whole story about all of the suffering that he is going through and that he is doing it quite gladly because he knows he's helping out other people. Now, if that isn't one of the most generous hearts that I've ever heard of, I don't know what is. But I thought it was very, very interesting that this little kid said that. And he had conversations with Jesus all the time. Yes. And also I recall uh, in part of his story he said that the angels would take him to a place or a dimension where he could swim with the dolphins to help ease his pain before death. That's right. I forgot about the dolphin thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and he always talked about how everything was golden, and that's why um, Johnny called him the golden boy. Um, because Dr. This, Lerma, yes. Dr. Lerma did. Because this dimension that he would go to was uh, very warm and the color was gold. It was always golden. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that died. When I had a near-death experience, and that is one of the things that struck me when I came back, was it was very gold. It was very green. But there literally was a gold road, like the yellow brick road. I mean, there really was this golden pathway thing that I walked on. I when I died I saw Jesus right away and he said, "Well, let's walk together." And we walked down this golden road and I thought this you know it's like the song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, "Well, you know, inspiration comes from all kinds of places and that's one of the things is what does heaven look like? It's it is uh 
very <clears throat> the colors are more vivid than on earth but there are a lot the thing that strikes you is all the trees and all the grass and all the flowers and everything are lit from within it is as if everything is fluorescent and um when i first died <laughs> went there and i'm standing there looking down at my feet and i'm going wow these people must vacuum all day long. There's no dirt here. <laughs> so, you know, I I mean, here I had all my little, like, earthbound um, contraptions in my head that I'm using to, you know, categorize everything that I'm looking at. And, of course, everything is very unusual. Well, there's no dirt in heaven. It's, the earth is the earth. That's the soil of the earth. Heaven is light. Everything was made up of light. That's why everything was so fluorescent, and the grass the grass just grows, and the there was wind, which I thought was interesting, mm-hmm. and there was a breeze oh, I, through the trees. And I know that when you walked with Jesus, there mm-hmm. was something very special that He shared with you that you like to let people know about. For the life of me, I can't remember. There's a lot of things He was sharing with me, but I can't remember what you're referring to. So right. Yes, in addition to that, I think you had an angelic being communicate with you as well. Yes, when the angel appeared, I was having surgery. Um, I had cancer <clears throat> again, and um, so I was having surgery, and the angel appeared, and and <laughs> and this see this is really common. I said, well, "What are you doing here?" You know. <laughs> So I, you know, I'm I'm back talking to it. You know, most people, an angel appears, and you're like, oh, it's an angel. No, I'm going. Well, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I want to know. <laughs> and the angel said, I came to give you strength, for you have none. Oh. And many times when I've had, um, I've had moments in my life that are very low, an angel will appear, and I know that. And I instantly feel the strength. It's like everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I will get through this. I will get to the other side of this. And um, I will always be protected. I will always be taken care of because I know the angels are taking care of me. You know, they've been doing a pretty good job so far. I'm still here. So I have to trust in that, you know. Yes. And that's not to say that when it is someone's time, and mm-hmm. it is time for them to go to the other side, that the angels stopped taking care of you, and now you you know you don't you're fending for yourself and you end up on the other side. That is not the situation. It is that from right. what I understand, there you know we before we even come into this life mm-hmm. with our with the counsel of the divine and the higher selves of who we are. Those decisions are made before we even come here. And during the time that we're here, we have angels who guide and protect us and watch over us and bring us messages, give us taps on the shoulder and goosebumps and divine nudges like you talk about in your book, Divine Nudges, assist us along the way. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I love these stories that you share because these are reminders to us of mm-hmm. what our human experience is really about and how to bring ourselves back to a more um, open-hearted, op- open-eyed way of living our lives here. Right, exactly. Um, one of the things that um, that Jesus had said to me when, when uh, you know, I first got there was was that I was taking life too seriously 
and that I literally needed to lighten up. That was part of the message that he wanted, you know, that, and many of us, I think we get in our ruts and we just get so filled with anxiety. Yeah. And this is what I believe that he's telling me, that you get depressed and then you're not seeing. It's a beautiful day today, you know. The the leaves are out on the trees. The You know, the it rained the other day and then it dried up and it nurtured everything and be thankful for everything that you have. Even the slightest little things, you know, um, is the fact that you can breathe and walk and talk and, and your fingers still work or don't work, you know, gives thanks for all that stuff. Giving thanks is a very, very important part of our spirituality is we need everyone needs to give thanks nine times a day thank you lord 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 you need to do that every morning when you wake up and your day will get better and better and better all the way through and that's a promise you know that is a promise you know when we were talking about dr johnny lerma Uh, the hospice doctor in Houston. I'd like to share this with our listeners. I'd like you to know that I met Dr. Lerma, even though it was an environmental conference, he was a guest speaker, which was wonderful because he was sharing about some of the experiences he has had as a hospice doctor from his patients where they were having angelic experiences. And in Mm -hmm. these experiences, the angels would tell them to tell Dr. Lerma about their experiences and the messages that they were bringing. And the room that I was in when I was hearing Dr. Lerma speak was standing room only. It was just filled with people. Many of us are very hungry for learning more and more about this, this topic and the angels and the kind of grace that we can experience in our last days here. And not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, to know that our loved ones are experiencing something that is very spiritual, not something that is just to be dreaded and to be um, saddened in our life, the rest of our lives about. There's there's so much more to this picture about transition. And so right. Dr. Lerma was talking about all of this, and, and I recalled that at the very front of the room, There was one empty seat, and this was in a room that just had tables and chairs, and there was a bag sitting right in front of of that chair on the table. And I thought, well, somebody must have left the room briefly, and they'll be back. And after 20 minutes had gone by, I realized that, um, well, maybe maybe that's just an empty chair, and everybody is assuming that, Mm -hmm. you know, it was somebody's chair, so nobody sat down. And I thought, well, I had been walking all over the campus since, oh gosh, you know, sunrise that morning. And I thought, I'm going to rest my feet just for a little while. And if that person comes back, I'll give them back their seat. So I sat down Mm -hmm. just for a few minutes and then nobody ever came back. And so I finally... Yeah, at the end of the at the end of Dr. Lerma's talk, there were like 20 people surrounding him, uh mm-hmm. asking him questions and so forth, and I saw the bag was still sitting there and and I thought, well, I hope whose ever bag this was, they remembered, you know, that that maybe it's one of these people here and I wouldn't want them to forget. So I kind of held up the bag 
for everybody, mm-hmm. just to as if to say, is this anybody's? And mm-hmm. everybody kind of looked at me and shook their head no. And I thought, well, that's strange. So I thought, maybe I better turn this in. Whoever was here before forgot it if they right. happened to leave early and turned it in to the staff. And they said, oh, that's the speaker's bag. I can tell because it's got all the things in it that we give to the speakers when they come. Oh, wow. I walked off with Dr. Lerma's bag. So I went back, and by the time I got back there, there were only two people at this point talking with him. Uh And and I said, please forgive me for interrupting. Dr. Lerma, I walked off with your bag. I didn't even realize it was yours. And he said, I didn't know that was mine either. (laughs) So apparently they brought it to him, set it on the table, but may not have said anything to him uh, before he, Uh he gave his talk. So where I'm going with this story is I was going to leave at the end of his talk. There were many right. people around him. And I, it did occur to me he would be a wonderful guest on my show. I would love to talk with him. Mm-hmm. But I can see there's so many people that want to talk to him. I better just go ahead and, and head sure. out because time is running short and I needed to get going. And, well, right. uh, I don't think the angels were going to have that. They, I don't they, think so either. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm putting these coincidences together, and I, and and we got to talking, and I told him about my show. I, I said I wanted to invite him on, and this was years ago. And he, we got together. He shared his stories with me. He told me he wanted to write a book. I put him in touch with you, Catherine, and yes. you were able to share some of his stories in your book. He has written mm-hmm. a book since then as well. That's and right. And yes, I am going to have him on the show, so I want everybody to know. You'll, you'll get to hear more of his stories. But this is so important to share because the people who needed to come to you, Catherine, to share their stories found mm-hmm. their way because each story has a thread of something that speaks to the hearts and minds of a larger group of people. In some way, it reaches us. And this is why right. you have said so many times, it's so important to share your stories with people. There are things in there. It's not only healing for yourself, but it's healing for those who get to hear them. That's right. That's right. And and the thing is, is you never know... What's go? What is the? Which is the one story that's going to touch somebody and then, re, you know, really make a change for them? So, it's it's really amazing. You know, the. I think it's been a, a, a full ten. Let's see, no, it'd be fifteen years since the first Angel book came out, and I went this past weekend to the Chicago Lit Fest, and I had. You know, my new romance was out, and I had the the other books lined up. And every single person that came by picked up the first angel book, which is called Angel Watch. It's the it's a blue one with the angel's wing on top of it. They they all picked it up. They didn't all buy it, but they all picked it up and said, "What is this?" I think that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, it you is. know. I was right next to somebody else that was selling something completely opposite, but everyone picked it up and said, and I would say, well, apparently, you know, that's an angel wing, and it says, you know, and then when I would tell them about, they go, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. I went, really? Then how come you picked that book up and not any of these others? Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't don't tell me that story. <laughs> <sighs> that's that's not working for you anymore. 
<laughs> so um, there is something in our psyche that is part of us, that part of our humanness is our spiritual, spiritual side, our, our need for that spirituality. That's where our hope comes from. And just like you had said earlier, is in the darkest times, you need to be able to go down into that deep well and draw. It's there. You just have forgotten it. You haven't used it. You may have never used it. You haven't used it for a long time. It's just like a car engine. You've got to put a little oil in it. You've got to rev it up. You've got to run it once in a while. And that's why sometimes, you know, one of the books, if, do you remember the book, is that why do good, bad things happen to good people? Well, yeah. there may be good people, but you may not be connected in the way that you need to be connected to say, yes, I understand that there are people on the other side that are watching out for me and i need to say howdy once in a while that's all they want they just want it yes i know you're there acknowledge them and say thank you for everything you're doing for me today because you know what i lived another day and i got to go pluck the rose in my garden and i got to have a hot dog with extra ketchup <laughs> so there you are <laughs> yeah Catherine, there are so many ways that angels come to us and perhaps we don't always know that that was what we just experienced. Would you talk about some of the ways we can um, identify an angelic experience in case, you know, that we we can look back on our lives and say, oh, my gosh, I do remember that flash of light that happened, that, you know, when that happened, then everything changed. Mm-hmm. Right. One is um, when you do go to sleep and you – especially people that don't really believe too much in angels, they do visit a lot when you're sleeping because you have turned off all the real world and you're only using your, you know, your alpha mode. So you're, you are more open. Um, there are instances, more than I thought there were, of telephones and computers being used. Makes sense. It's electrical connection. They can go along the electrical waves. So if you have, um, and these days, you know, I haven't, I haven't started to research it, but I, over the weekend when I was watching at the Live Fest, I thought that would be fun to do is, is to see, are the, is that really a real Facebook friend on the other end who's sending me a, a lovely little spiritual message? Or is it a divine connection? But sleep, when you have a dream where someone comes in a dream to give you a warning, usually it will be um, a deceased relative or, or it can even be a live relative. But when they come and give you a warning or tell you to be concerned about something or to take care of something, you know, time for you to go visit your mom, um, that is an angelic intervention. That's not a dream. It didn't just happen but it is an angelic intervention and you'll notice that as time goes on you'll you'll constantly be saying to yourself god that seems so real it was more real than me standing here right now you know going out to go turn my hose off you know my my sprinkler or whatever it's it's very real and stays with you for a long time angelic interventions when they do come at nighttime do have a tendency that 20 years later you'll think it happened last night it's that vivid um there there are uh, many instances as just as you are falling asleep or waking up where you may see a dead relative standing at the end of the bed they usually will stand at the foot of the bed one of the things johnny dr lerma told us you and me was that when he did speak with people jesus always stood at the end of the bed at their feet 
And the one woman that he told the story was, is Johnny said to her, well, what is he doing? And she said, well, he's washing my feet, mm. getting me ready to go to my next life because he's going to be in heaven with me. And she was Jewish. Oh. She didn't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then another thing is is that when you – when you are try- when you are struggling to find an answer, let's say you do, um, you're an attorney and you don't know how to approach the the your uh, the jurors with a, a particular way to say something in order to save your client. That's what you're trying to figure out, and you're stewing over it and you don't know what to do. Ask the universe that question. How? Please give me an answer. Then do it. Give yourself three days. In a three day period out of the mouths of three people that you know or may not know, I mean, you, they could be total strangers, you will hear the same sentence or paragraph almost identical come from three different people at the same time over a three-day period to answer your question. That's how the universe will answer a question for you. One that's, I mean, not, you know, like, where did I put, although I have done that, where are my car keys? <laughs> 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 I try not to, you know, waste it on little stuff and save it for the big stuff. But that's a big one is that, and then there is also a disembodied voice. Now I call him Mr. Voice. And when I am really struggling with something um, and I say, please show me the way or please tell me what to do. You know, I have no other place to turn. You have to tell me. When I was growing up, I thought it was, it sounded like a voice in my head. You know, everybody says, Oh, you know, the little voice in your head. Well, after you listen more often, you'll notice that the voice isn't so much in your head, but maybe it's from across the room or standing next to the bed or sit next to your chair. And you can almost feel like it's coming over the top of your chair. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, another thing is um, you can be thinking about a, a relative. Your father passed away. I have one of these stories in my book. Is she, Her dad was a radio announcer. And she was missing her dad just tremendously. And she got on the airplane and her, you know how you can turn on the little radio on the sleeve, you know, the arm of the plane seat? Mm -hmm. And every channel she went to played this song that her father knew was her favorite song from the, you know, like a Pat Boone song or something. I can't remember what the song was. But every channel played that song and she knew that was her dad trying to contact her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Through yeah. songs that show up and, and, you know, on the radio or um, you just happen to pause something and when you go back, it's a completely different song than what's on the lineup and there it is, this song. Uh, there it is. Message. Yes. And I've heard people say, you know, Pandora does that. They're using, the ghosts are using Pandora a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not on my playlist. Well, there it is. <laughs> Too bad. It's there. Um, but those are the most common things. Your dreams, for one, um, phone calls, um, that can be communication. There are more instances. I, you know, In the future, I'm going to do a book that's got you know, Facebook angels <laughs> and computer you know, trying to make contact to let you know that you're okay. The other is um, animals that... Um, Animals will perform in unusual ways. At the moment of death, when someone dies, um, 
just before death, we've always heard the stories of, you know, the the wolves howling at the moon at the moment of death when their master dies. I have one of those stories in my book. A lot of birds showing up at the time of death or coming and sitting in unusual places during mm-hmm. the the burial or the ceremony or something like that. Um, another one is pennies or dimes in a room after the death of a child or a loved one. Um, I've had many, many people, some of them even recently, say all of a sudden I started finding pennies in a room that I know I just went and vacuumed. <laughs> How'd that penny get there? I just I just yeah. put the vacuum away, and there's a penny on the floor. Um, going out to the gravesite, a row of pennies on the top of the headstone. These these are even more of a divine nudge, but they are a nudge to tell you the dead are not dead. They're not living in our world. They're They're still alive. They're not going away. You know, and they are there in that next plane of existence. Some some researchers believe that that plane of existence is literally only three feet off of our world. It's that close. Mm. So they look like they're floating a little bit. And um, and I love the story. As I was I was on a show one night, and I had a Catholic priest on, and I thought, oh, this is going to be just awful. And anyway, and I. I he said there's no such thing the priest said there's no such thing as cherubs on the show and I said well you know I don't I don't know how to address that I personally have never seen a cherub you know little floating wings and a little head that's it and I've never seen a cherub and um and I have not had anybody send me do you know the next day I went I got up and I, I mean my email was filled with what are you talking about there's no cherubs I've been cherubs have been visiting me for years <laughs> mm-hmm. yes so there are there and are. they do come to visit so <laughs> yeah I, I don't be don't that. be going around saying that there are no cherubs because there are so I love the penny story that you're talking about because mm-hmm. you know, we think in terms of pennies from heaven. Exactly. Another thing that comes to mind when you're sharing mm-hmm. about all of this, you know, you talked about uh, visits through the dream state, visions that people have had. There's so many stories. I'm going to hop over to you did mention pets. And I know that you have talked about how people have seen their departed pets Mm-hmm. And when they have had near death experiences, share about that when they come back. Would you do you have any information on that you could share? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. One uh, one of the stories that I wrote was one of the biggest arguments I used to have with my mother was she she was adamant that animals did not have souls. Now, I don't know if that's because she loved beef or what the deal was. But, I mean, we argued about it all the time. And I said, I'm telling you that animals do have souls. And then when I died, um, the one of the first, not the, ver- not the very, very first, but one of the first meetings that I had where there were these two cats that came up to me. And I thought, where are these cats from? I don't I don't. I don't, you know, I don't know why these two cats will be coming up. And I looked at the cat, and the cat looked at me, and telepathically, the cat said, "You took care of me for 12 years when you were a little girl." And I remembered we had a cat, and we named her Cat. And she, you know, she was a feral cat. We brought her in the house and took care of her. I did have a cat when I was growing up, and that was my cat. So I, you know, 
And then um, I've had dreams where my golden retrievers have come back to me um, in times of being very down, just to let me know that everything was going to be okay and we would all be together. And they did kind of, you know, give me a telepathic message. You know, they didn't speak or whatever, but um, but I did get a telepathic message. We're here, we're fine, and we still love you, and we're just waiting for you. And I've had many, many, many people, when they had a near-death experience, say that they, the first people that they met, the first being that came to them were the were their pets, especially super pet lovers who have had a lot of pets in their life. Um, that was the very first being that they met were the pets. Mm. So um, certainly has happened for me, and has happened for quite quite a few more people. So yes, that's very encouraging for those. It of is us very here. encouraging. I I love it. I I can't wait to see. I still have pictures of my golden retrievers on my bureau here. So. <laughs> I remember and they're them. all dead. All all nine of all ten of them now are they're all dead. So yeah. they're they're all there waiting. So many um other types of experiences that people have had. People appearing, helping them and then vanishing right before their eyes. Yeah. I love those stories. Love them, love them, love them. The first time I ever heard that story was a woman who was in um Texas and this is literally 30 years ago when I heard the story, I thought she was nuttier than a fruitcake. And I just thought, you know, she was so dramatic anyway, and I thought that was just part of her drama thing. But she said she had uh, she had recently divorced, and she moved to this little house, uh, nice little house in a nice, very safe neighborhood. And this man came to her door, and he was – Somewhat disheveled, but not so bad where you would be scared of him. But now this is also 30 years ago when we weren't as afraid as we are now. I mean, now you can't even let your kids go out and play in the yard, you know, which I used to let my son roam all over the neighborhood, and it was fine. Well, anyway, this this man came to her door, and he said, um, I lost my job, and I, I, I'm hungry. I, I, I'm at, you know, and she said, I... I you're 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 a panhandler. You're looking for a handout, and he said, "Yes, I am. I need charity." And she said, "Well, I don't have a lot of money. I can't give you very much, but I can certainly give you a meal, and I can give you a few dollars, you know, ten dollars or something." And he said, "A meal would be lovely." So he came in and sat down at her table, and she had made some casserole or something, you know, I, I, Texas chili. I don't know what it was. They sat down and they ate, and they just talked about things. She said, you know, where are you from? And, he, and it was very evasive. I'm from all over, you know, one of those things. And she found um, a jacket, I believe, but she gave him some kind of clothing. I can't remember what it was, a shirt or jacket that had been her husband's and gave it to the man. And um, they just talked, and he said, you know, um, you have been very kind to me more than – would do most and I will repay you and she said no you don't need to repay me you know just please take care of yourself and I hope you find a job so she opened the door for him to leave now in Texas you know it's not that far to go down the in in the neighborhoods there in Houston it's not that far to go down the driveway you know to get to the street right right yes so he walks out the door and he is and so the path from the door to the driveway is very short right She's still standing at the door watching him, and he vanishes in front of her eyes. 
Yeah. And she said, I knew I was talking to an angel. And she said, our whole conversation was was very, you know, it wasn't so spiritual. It was just, how are you? How are you feeling? Well, you know, I've been, she had been very depressed because she had gotten divorced. And, and she you know, said to him, well, I've been praying every day that something happens. She was looking for a job. She had to go back to work, the whole deal. And he told her that she would be okay, that he would, he would, uh, she would be repaid for her kindness and then vanished. Uh, now, yeah. see, I have goosebumps all over my body right now. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it's been 30 years since I can remember this woman standing there telling me this story. It's been 30 years since I was told that story, and it still affects me this day. So that mm-hmm. tells me that there is somewhere, uh, someone out there in your listening audience that needed to hear that story. Yes, right. On, on this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there may be someone at some point, and I know this because sometimes people will speak up and say this, that they feel perhaps left out because they they don't believe that they have ever had a divine nudge or mm-hmm. have had an angelic experience or have ever felt that they received anything that, that came from the divine to point them in a direction with a message or anything like that. What mm-hmm. would you say to them about that? I would say that you're not looking with the eyes, with your soul's eyes. You're looking with your physical human eyes, your judgmental eyes, and you're not seeing, you're not allowing the spiritual to come through to you. The spiritual is there all around you. You're just denying it because it's there. And like I said, they can be even small things, like a little frustration of, um, oh, I left my, you know, I'm at the Walmart, and I left my, my, I left my keys in the Walmart, and I had to turn around and go all the way back to where I checked out and get my keys and then come out. But maybe you just missed a car that went zooming by that may have hit you and killed you or maimed you. You don't know that. How would you know that? I think we're being saved and protected in all kinds of little ways that we just we can't see them because we can't we're too busy seeing the fact that we just left our keys over there and then being mad at ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just too easy to get so caught up with taking the kids to ballet class and Irish dancing class that we we forget that God is taking care of us every day, every minute and loves us unconditionally along with that unconditional love comes all of these ways to protect us and take care of us i mean we're human beings we are so ignorant of what's going on in the world and then you add a little bit of our you know everydayness to all of that it it takes a lot of spirituality to keep on loving us Well, and, you know, and perhaps we're just still a little groggy from being asleep because some of us are still, we're just waking up and we're just a little groggy. So we might miss the bus a few times, but after a period of time, you know, we're a little more awake and and we finally, you know, catch the bus. And some of us fall back to sleep for a little while and then wake up. That's what I believe has been happening. I think we have kind of fallen back asleep and I think that's why we need to have this moment to sit back and look 
and and realize everything really is everything's going to be fine everything mm-hmm. is the way mm-hmm. it should be and there are reasons for every single thing that we're going through the good and the bad the frustrating and the anxiety riddled because out of all that god is still taking care of us he's he's got a plan for us you know we didn't come here like you said we came here with a blueprint we knew yeah. what we were going to do we will be protected and guided and helped and aided at the moment of our death when we get to go to the really good party mhm <laughs> <laughs> certainly the next party yes, yes. to the really and- good party you know, where I swear there better not be any calories. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, we wouldn't, um, I know that you also wanted to talk about uh, the experience with Mother Mary and the song that Mary brought. Because I know that there are certain things in that story that you really feel you want to bring out. I'll let you mm-hmm. you share. If you want me to chime in, you let me know. I will, because there are things I want you to chime in about. This is about... Claire's personal story, and of all the stories, uh, hers just resonates with me every time I even hear her name. I just, there is something so wondrous about it that I cannot tell you. Um, Because I was raised Catholic, I have just been devoted to Mother Mary all my life. I'm a true believer in the power of the rosary to say all of those prayers. I don't care how rote they are. I was one of those little kids in a Catholic school back during the days of the of the oppression by the Russians, and we prayed for the fall, for the conversion of Russia so that the Catholics in Russia could go to Mass again. I believed in my heart that if I kept praying, that would happen. And then it did. It took 20 years, but it happened. Now, Claire didn't grow up that way. She grew up with no preconceived notions or any kind of religious training. I had strong religious training. And... um, but Claire had none. She didn't know. She hadn't, Jesus wasn't talked about in her, you know, by the family at dinner time during the, you know, the four weeks before Christmas. She wasn't lighting an Advent candle at her dinner table at night. She wasn't being told stories about the angels or, or saying a prayer to her guardian angel every night when she went to bed. She didn't know any of those things. So one day, she's sitting in her apartment and reading a book, and... All of a sudden, the room is filled with light and song, I believe there was. Wasn't there music at the time? Well, it was, um, yes, there was a a powerful sense of a light at first. You could feel it, and then you could see it. and then you could see it. Yes, and then the the song, uh, there was this beautiful song that mm-hmm. I started to hear, not only within myself, but but as if it were outside of myself as well. And, and that's uh, what I meant about the voice before. Pardon yeah. me for interrupting. Is it's You think it's inside yourself, but then you realize it's outside yourself. Okay, now go on. Because mm. I love the story. <laughs> you want me to tell? Oh, I love the story. Okay. I mean, right. here's this whole room with the song, and, and then come the angels. Yeah. Now describe the angels. Well, the angelic experience was more of uh, like light. And oh, yeah, I that's right, because I'm thinking of the other story. Yes, I could yeah. see through my mind's eye. It was like a TV screen in front of me in Technicolor, all these people in their homes. 
mm-hmm. as if it as if I were seeing them through the eyes of God all at once in all these different homes, and mm-hmm. they were singing this song that I was hearing, right. and at the same time I was singing it too. It was <laughs> so this was a very <laughs> um, multitasked experience, yeah, and right. the the. Uh, I could see past them, the the people who were in their homes singing the song. They had all this light around them, but I could see past them through their windows. There were these huge storms of great Mm -hmm. magnitude raging outside, but inside, in their homes, with their families singing this song in all this light, it was it was as if they didn't even know the storms were going on. They were just immersed in this light and this song. Right. And mm-hmm. I I just, I was in this blissful state while this was happening. And then after the song was complete and the vision faded, there was a message that said, this song is a gift, a blessing, and a prayer. And it will be sung in many homes. And so I was shaking, not from fear, but just from the energy of the whole experience. Right. And so I right. wrote the words down as quickly as I could so that I wouldn't forget the words and hummed it into my little tape recorder so I wouldn't forget the tune. And and then there were a lot of other things that happened in this story. But I think the reason why you wanted to share this story is because I later discovered that the song came from Mother Mary. I was right. having Marian experiences and... Right. There were a, a series of events that led up to this that also came after this. And I want you, the listeners, to know, too, that if you want to hear the song, it's on my website. You can hear it there for free. It's just go and go to lightedpaths.org, and mm-hmm. you'll see at the top of the menu where it says Mary's Lullaby. You can click on that and scroll down to the bottom of the page where the MP3 player is. You can just click on that and hear the song. And um, and it tells a little bit of the story. I've written about a more expanded version of those experiences that I've had in my mm-hmm. book. But this is the song called Mary's Lullaby. And I know that this astounds you because... Uh, Catherine, because you you know you're you're like gosh she didn't even grow up Catholic and she had this experience. <laughs> but I want people to know too that there are many many people who have had experiences with Mother Mary, probably more than you can imagine, and they come from all walks of life, all yes, faiths. No, and some of them no religion at all. Like Catherine was saying, I was not raised with any particular religion. Um, life was life. It, and right. my family, you know, they were good people, uh, but they didn't really practice a religion. So not right. a, not yeah. in the household I grew up in. Now, my mm-hmm. friends that I knew, some of them did. And, of course, we all know about Jesus. You know, I did have a love for God as I was growing up. But my connection with God did not come from any uh, religious beliefs that I learned from a church right. or anything like that. Right. So I know that's why you wanted to share that story because people can have spiritual experiences way beyond some of the teachings of any particular religion. That is correct. That is that is what is so amazing. What's amazing to me um, when I do hear the stories is they all do. Ha- they're not different. 
they're all they all have that what I said was that common thread you know there there's mm-hmm. always they're always left with hope the experiencer is always left with hope a feeling of unconditional love and a and a feeling that <clears throat> the knowledge that they had been visited by the divine everyone yeah. no matter what their religion was that's true very true. And when we reach our last days here on Earth, there are many synchronicities that come into play that help us to be more in alignment with that dear, uh, deep spiritual meaning in our lives as well. That mm-hmm. many of the people have talked about in their stories, those who have had near-death experiences, but also what Dr. Lerma has talked about with his patients. It was so amazing to me when he would share how mm-hmm. the his patients would say, and the angels told me to tell you this, and the right. angels would like you to share about share. that. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I mean, just, I mean the, the thing about it is, is that angels are real. Our, and our divine spirits and our divine guides, they are real. They're not your imagination. They they do exist, and uh, and it is important to them. That's what's important. Yes. And just before we go, uh, Catherine, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to let people know what you're up to now and also how okay. they can find you. I know that you have, uh, you have a website, et cetera. Please share with us. I do. It is www.catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Lanigan, L-A-N-I-G-A-N.com. And then I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Um, I, my books are all on Amazon. Most, all of them are all on e-books now. And some of them are coming to um, my uh, audio. I've got audio books on quite a few of them now. But my angel books are all there on Amazon for everybody to go and order. Um and uh, my my uh, email, if you have an angel experience, I would love to read it. It is uh, Kath Lanigan, C-A-T-H-L-A-N-I-G-A-N, the number one, at gmail.com. Great. Good. Yes. When we visit your website, we can see all the new books that you have coming out. You know, Catherine still yes, does ma'am. write romance novels as well, and but her novels focus on positive stories that are enlightening. Enlightening you know, you're, and you're, uplifting. You're, They're exactly. always uplifting. They're called um, Heartwarming from Harlequin, and... Um, my my series is called The Shores of Indian Lake, and they're just they're tender, sweet romances, and I think everybody will really like them. I love them. I'm reading all the other girls their their romances, and they're just, they're just wonderful, wonderful books, and very well written by everybody. I applaud the girls tremendously. The authors are just terrific. And you are going to have a fourth book that you're going to come out with, including more news stories that you have heard, the angel stories and so forth? Well, I do have the fourth one ready. We're trying to get the publisher to go ahead and get that released. So I don't have a, re- okay. a release date yet, but when it does come out, it will be available on um, ebook on Amazon. So Angel Dreams. Angel Dreams, great. And so, you know, if we just stay in touch with you through uh, the different social medias and your website, we'll know when that's out as well. And I'll have you back on the show so you can talk about some of those stories. Catherine, thank you so very much for joining us today. Well, as always, Claire, you are a blessing in my life. And I just, 
I am honored to be here. It was this was great fun, and um, I I can't wait till we do it again. Okay, good. We'll <laughs> see you soon. Thanks, and okay, take care. Okay, we'll see you soon. Okay. okay. And also, I want to invite you to follow the show if you decide you would like to uh, hear about more guests that I'll be having on the show or when Catherine will be back. If you click follow on this page, you'll always receive information about the next guest. That'll keep you informed. So thanks for tuning in to Lighted Paths Radio. I'm Claire Papan. You can connect with me through my website, lightedpaths.org. And you can also find information there about my book, Mary's Miracles and Messages, A True Story of a Visionary's Journey, as well as on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Please join us again for more enlightening conversations. Be well, everyone, and peace.